seven hours of sleep a day and choose one day in seven to rest and to refresh your soul, you will have a remarkably different life than the people who live in our oversaturated, busy world. Amen? My goodness, people are just crazy. They can never seem to get caught up. And it's so, so treadmillish. This whole world is. And yet we get to get off the treadmill one day in seven. Amen? And discover that all the effort we put in is actually dependent on God for the productivity of our lives. It's not all on us. It's ultimately all on God. And so we can choose this or we can choose not to do this. And last week we talked about how Sunday is really meant to be this thing called kairos in our lives. It's meant to be a beautiful sanctuary in the midst of a very busy life. And uh, looking at this image of Rivendell from the movie The Lord of the Rings, the writer J.R.R. Tolkien put it this way. He said, the realities of life, whether good or ill, are not forgotten. But the tyranny of the urgent ceases to have control over the present. And that's really what Sunday's meant to be. It's not like there's not stuff to do tomorrow, amen? We got all kinds of to-do lists and all kinds of stuff we need to get done. But in a very real way, Sunday is meant to be the day where we step off the treadmill, step into the presence of God, and are reminded that our life, our health, our breath, and everything is really dependent on God. So Sunday is a unique opportunity that we are called to buy up or choose. I, I love the way that prophet Isaiah talked about this thing called Sabbath. Speaking to the ancient people of God, Israel, he said this. He said, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you choose to honor it and not go your own way or seek your own pleasure or idly talking, then you shall take delight in the Lord and I, the Lord, will make you ride on the heights of the earth. How many want to ride on the heights of the earth? Awesome. I mean, talk about a roller coaster, a big one, riding on the heights of the earth by the grace of God. But I want you to notice, if, if, it's dependent, if, if, then I will, says the Lord. So we have to make the choice to step into this thing. And if we do, the blessing belongs to us. And so we're talking about Sundays, making Sundays the best day of the week. And today, we're going to move on to number three out of five as we talk today about how, to make, how better Sundays will actually make for better families. <laughs> Let's get nice and practical. What does it look like in our homes as Christian moms and dads? What does it look like to live differently than the people around us in order to give our children a God consciousness? Let me just give you a simple little way of, of thinking about it. It's not easy to do, but a simple little way of thinking. How do I give my children a sense of God's presence and power in their lives? It starts by putting God first. And what we do is we put God first in our week. What's the first day of the week? I love! And that's exactly what we need to communicate to our children. That Sundays are the best day of the week. We do stuff on Sunday. We don't get to do any other day of the week. I really look forward to Sundays. It's awesome. Grammy, Grandpa, 
What you need to do with your grandkids, if your children are not going to church or not connected with you, you need to invite the grandkids over on Saturday night. You need to have a good time with them, and you need to get them all excited. We're going to go to church tomorrow, and we're going to have a blast all day. Amen? This is what we do. We want to influence the next generation with a sense of God consciousness. And how we do that is we live it. We are communicating our heart, not just our head. And the only way you can communicate your heart is to actually do these things, to actually live this. So what we do is we say, Sundays are different. Sundays are special. Sunday is a day that God knew in his wisdom and in his love that we work hard all the rest of the week. And he gave us Sundays to rest. Oh, he gave us Sundays to hang out with our friends. Oh, he gave us Sundays to go out to dinner. Oh, he gave us Sundays to play Legos. Oh, I want you to understand that our children need to understand that there's something special, something different, something wonderful about Sundays. Because when they get up and they come to church with you, they're looking at all their friends' houses and nobody's moving. And they're going to say, why are we doing this? How come we're different than they are? And what you need to say to them is this, our God knows us. And he knows that we need this special day. And he invites us to the people of God to worship him. We make today better than any other day of the week. I love! That's what we need to communicate. This is by far the best day ever. Let me give you some opportunities to make today unique from every other day. Um, how about eating breakfast together? You know, the bus comes so early, the kids have to get out there, everybody's grabbing something on the way out their door. How about Sundays we just slow down? Shh. How about Sundays we say, no, we're going to get up at a decent hour. Hey, that means Saturday nights have to be decent too. We're going to get up at a decent hour, and we're going to make breakfast. And, and we're going to let the kids help. What? Do you know how long that's going to take? Do you know how messy that's going to get? Yeah. Yeah. The best memories I have of growing up uh, were when I got to spend time with my grandmother. I grew up with three sisters and a mom who did everything in the house, and they never let me near the kitchen. I like to play with things. No, William, you can't do that. No, William. And then my older sisters would beat me out of the room. But my grandmother said, come here, William. Let's bake together. Oh, Grammy, baking. We bake cakes and pies and all kinds of cool stuff. And I got flour all over the place. And I got, I got salt and, and stuff in places. You shouldn't get salt and stuff in places. And she never got upset. We always played together. We always learned together. Those are some of the best memories I have. And, of course, it helped that Grandpa, all, uh, Grandpa, yeah, my Grandpa also had a BB gun. Ooh, he had a BB gun. And he had a train set in his basement. Oh, I love to spend time with Grammy and Grandpa. They were cool, really cool. Grammy, Grandpa, here today, you need to be cool. And by that, I, I, I don't mean that you have to have Verizon high-speed Internet so they can play their video games on their devices. Did you hear that? They can do that all the rest of the time at home. But when they come to your house, they're going to get the one thing that's better than oversaturation on a, on a video device. You. They're going to get your undivided attention. They're going to get your love. And they're going to feel what that feels like. So get up early on Sunday and make breakfast. Sit around the table and pray and thank God for what we're about to eat. And you have to make pancakes. They're the messiest thing in the world. But kids will never forget making them. 
So eat together. That makes Sundays special, different than the rest of the week. Uh, when kids come to church, and by all means, we're going to go visit God's house, and we're going to spend time with God's people, and we're going to hear from God's word. When they get into their Sunday school classes, moms, dads, as you're getting ready to get them into classes, you're taking them through the, uh, the system over here, give them a kiss on the cheek, say to them, hey, have a great time, and listen carefully. And when you get, when you get done, we'll get back together. I'm going to ask you a few questions. And I'm going to give you something very special if you've listened. Now, Grammy and Grandpa, what that means is this. If they don't know the answers to the questions you might ask them about listening carefully, it doesn't matter. You still give them something special. Moms and dads, you can't do that. <laughs> it is what it is. You have to say, well, I'm sorry. I can't give this to you because you didn't listen carefully. But Grammys and Grandpas get a pass. You know, you, you get to do anything you want with your grandkids, and that's okay. Moms and dads, it's harder. But, but ask them those questions. And then I want to encourage you, you know, if your kids have some friends that they're starting to develop within the Sunday school area, get to know some of the other parents and plan after church a simple play date. Go out after church and pack a picnic lunch ahead of time and just go out and have a good time. Make the day different. Make it special. And then end the day, end the day by playing games. Games. Ever heard of a board game? Yeah, most people are like, those are boring games, right? No, 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 not if you play them right. A little aggressive, a little fun, a little, a little good time, yeah. And, and so play games. If you're a grandparent here and you don't have a box of Legos, shame on you. Legos are like kids, kids thinking. This is how they think. And you need to get down on those arthritic knees and you need to play on that floor with them building stuff. You want Sundays to be the best day of the world for these kids. Moms, dads, it is the best day because God invites us into his presence. Grammys and grandpas, it is the best day because you get to show them the love of God. So that is one of the ways that we communicate a God consciousness to the next generation. We live life differently. We step into the rhythm of God by making Sundays special. So you, you give God the first place in your week the second thing that we can do to help really make a, a God consciousness in the lives of our kids is we also give God the first of our day. The first of our day. It would be very helpful if you had a special place where you meet with God in your house. You know, maybe it's a chair, a nice overstuffed chair. Maybe it's in your bedroom. Maybe it's in the living room in the corner off the end of a couch. I don't know. But you have your Bible there, and the kids say, you know, they, they want to know what you're doing. You say, I pray for you there. I ask God's blessing on you there. And what you need to let them see is that the Bible moves from time to time. And the, the, the ribbon actually goes down through it. And it, dust doesn't develop on it. Okay, so, so the, the idea is, is they know that you meet with God. Oh my gosh, this must be important because they meet with God before they start their day. <gasps> and they know you're praying for them. And so this is how we communicate the importance of who God is to the next generation. Uh, another thing that we should do, naturally as families and grandparents with grandchildren, is we should pray over meals. Amen? Oh, you know, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father above. We should thank him. And so we should pray over our meals. And I know how it works. You know, nobody eats at the table anymore. Virtually nobody. So we bring all the food into the living room and the TV's on, right? This is how it often works. What I want to encourage you to do is mute the TV. Just mute the TV. 
and pause for a minute and acknowledge God's goodness over that meal that you just received. It doesn't have to be long and flowing and covering all the people down in Haiti and all the way up to the Arctic Circle. You know, it doesn't have to do that. You know, it can be something as simple as good bread, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. You know, something like that. I don't know. But acknowledge God's goodness in providing this. And here's the real key. When you go to the restaurant, something about being in public and pausing in public and acknowledging God's goodness in a public setting, uh, if you don't have the habit of doing that in a restaurant, what you're telling to your children is we're embarrassed by God. You don't want that. You want them to know that no matter where we are, God is good and we acknowledge his goodness in our lives. Amen? This is part of acknowledging and helping kids to understand a God consciousness that transcends uh, ourselves. So there's that. And then, of course, pray with your kids. Grandmother, grandfather, pray with your grandkids. Pray with your kids. When they're young, go from bed to bed. When they get a little older, invite them into your bedroom. Pray with them. Find time to communicate that... God is important in our lives and in our family. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We do that by putting God first in our week, by putting God first in our day, and then I'm going to mosey into where I shouldn't. We're also going to put God first in our pay. First in our pay. You know, kids are going to soon realize that the way this whole world works is it's all about money. Everybody does everything they do because they want money. People work hard, they drive terribly long commutes. People go away and do things because they want money. And kids know that soon, money is what makes this world go round. Most people work hard to have money. And they need to see you handle your money in such a way as to put God first. That'll be one of the most remarkable and tangible things in their lives. And so they need to know that you give regularly to the Lord through the local church. You don't have to tell them how much you give. Maybe you can just say, you know, I give a tithe, the 10% of what God gives to us. We give back to God first because he's blessed us, and he asks us to do that. So don't tell them what you give. Tell them a percentage that you give. And, and the reality is this. Living in America, we happen to be very, very blessed. Amen? And so if you actually go out to this place called Global Rich List, Global Rich List, you will discover that you can put in your salary and including benefits, and it will spit out to you where you stand in the world based upon income. And so um, you will discover that if you make more than $32,000, including benefits, you are in the top 1% of the world's earning. You feel better right now? I feel rich. I don't feel like I'm rich, but I feel rich. I know what you're talking about, Pastor Bill. But what we need to show our children is this. God has blessed us not for us to consume it on ourselves. Not just to have a bigger house, more cars, more stuff, but God has blessed us to be his compassion and his love in the lives of others. So what we're doing is we are giving our children a sense that God is real, that he is powerful, that he is present, and we prove it every day by how we choose to live. First of the week, first of the day, first of our pay. Say that with me. First of the week. First of the day, first of our pay. One more time. First of the week, first of the day, first of our pay. If you do that, you are communicating volumes to the next generation. You're telling them that God is real. He really is there and that they will gain this con uh, God consciousness. 
Um, one little thing that my family and I did uh, many years ago, I believe it was Dr. James Dobson who gave us this idea. I don't know. I didn't come from a Christian home. Bambi did. But we employed a, a little game. We played it a few times uh, when our kids were growing up, and it was very helpful, I think, in communicating to them how the family functioned. And so what we did was this. There were four of us in our family, Bambi, I, Elisha, and Mariah. And we stood with our hands in a circle like this, and what we did is we, we took Elisha, who was the youngest, and we put Elisha in the middle of the circle, and I grabbed Mariah's hand so that the three of us were standing around with Elisha in the middle. And uh, I said this, is Elisha the center of our home? Are we here to serve him? And then I got everybody to say on cue, no. In fact, Mariah really liked that. No, we're not here for him. So we took Elisha, put him back out in the circle, took Mariah, put her in the center of the circle. Elisha's hand I was holding, Bambi held Elisha's hand, I held Bambi's hand. And I said, is Mariah the center of our home? And on cue, no. And of course, Elisha, no. So you know, we don't want Mariah to be it if he can't be. So out on the perimeter, she would go. Took Bambi. Put her in the middle of the circle, holding the kids' hands. Is mommy the center of our home? Are we here to serve mommy? No. Took mommy, put her back in that, put daddy in the middle. <laughs> you, you think you know what I'm going to do. Is daddy the center of this home? Are we here to serve daddy? No. No. I step back, we join hands in a circle, and what we say is this. Jesus Christ is the center of our home. We are here to serve him. You see, as a child grows, they grow in uh, self-awareness. And if God-awareness does not grow alongside their self-awareness, children are going to believe the world revolves around them. It's very natural. And if children do not acknowledge God, then they make themselves God in their lives, and they believe that everybody is there for their benefit. And what this little exercise does in the context of our home, we did it three or four times, and they got, the more we did it, the more they liked it, um, is it just as a reminder that, you know what? Sports do not have a place in our home on Sundays. They just don't. Why? Because we're not here to serve Elisha. We're not here to serve Mariah, even though he played football and she played soccer. We did it on every other day, but we wouldn't do it on Sunday. Why? Because we're here to serve Jesus. So that also meant that if, if uh, the kids uh, were being invited over to a friend's house on Saturday night, we would tell them, we would tell them, no. Now, if they want to come over to our house, that's fine. We'd be happy to have them over. But either they're prepared to go home before church or they're more than welcome to come with us. You see, what this little exercise does is it reminds us that we are not the point that Christ is. And even in the family unit, the family unit is designed by God to glorify God, not the children, not the parents. And so it was a healthy little exercise. This also meant that on vacations, guess what we did on vacations when Sundays came? That's right. We went to church. You went to church on vacation? Absolutely. Sunday is the best day of the week. Why would I want to miss that? This is how we communicated to our children the importance of this. First of our week, first of our day, first of our pay. 
And I want to encourage you, moms, dads, start to work toward this. Make Sunday the best day of the week. Grammys, grandpas, do it. Go for it. Be the best Grammy and grandpa in the whole world. Go for it. <sighs> All right. So looking at the nation of Israel, we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 6 and saw how important the Shema passage was to them. They were supposed to communicate to their children whether they were walking by the way, sitting in the house, lying down at night, or getting up in the morning, who God was. They gave their children a God consciousness. But the second thing the Jews did, it wasn't just a God consciousness, but the Jews were also very thought it very important to give a redemption consciousness to the children. A redemption consciousness. Notice, a little further along in Deuteronomy chapter 6, same passage, only a little further down, it says this, when your sons ask you in the time to come, when your daughters ask you in the time to come, when your grandson or granddaughter, when your niece or your nephew asks you in the time to come, what is the meaning of all these testimonies and these statutes and these rules that the Lord your God has commanded you? Then you shall say to your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter, your niece, your nephew, we were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and grievous, against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us this land that he swore to give to our fathers. Notice, their whole nation revolved around this truth. We were once Pharaoh's slaves, and God saved us. God rescued us. God redeemed us. This is so key as we talk about giving children a God consciousness. In addition to a simple God consciousness, we need to weave in the gospel into these kids' lives, our grandchildren's lives, our kids' lives, our nieces' and nephews' lives. The gospel is paramount in the lives of young people. You know, according to science, our children are the product of two basic things. They are the product of nature and they are the product of nurture. Science tells us that about 50% of who our children are is genetic. That means their physical appearance, that means their personalities, some of their proclivities in life, we give them through our, our gene pool. But the other 50% of our kids' lives is guidance. It is how we raise them, it is how we interact in their lives. So children have a certain amount of fixed properties in their lives, but there's also a lot of room for development. There's a lot of room for growth. So it's about 50% uh, nature, 50% nurture, 50% genetics, 50% guidance. The Bible tells us this, that children are 100% sinners. 100% sinners. Now, 50-50 science tells us is the makeup of our kids, but the Bible makes it very clear that children are 100% sinners. That means two things, two things. First thing, that means that your child is the worst place in the world to place your identity. Let me say that again, because there's some people sitting in this room right now that have tied all your sense of meaning and purpose in life to your children, and your children are not making you feel very good right now. So let me say that one more time. Your child is the worst place in the world to place your identity, your sense of self-worth and meaning in life. This past week, a man by the name of Paul Tripp 
sends me an email. Wednesday's word. Paul Tripp uh, is a pastor up in the Philadelphia area. Uh, neat, neat guy. But he sent this this week. Three things you need to know about trying to get your identity from your children. And I thought this was well said because we err on this side, most of us do. First thing he said was this. The very na- the, it's a very natural thing to do and a very hard thing to fight. In fact, probably every parent falls into this trap in some way and most times without even knowing it. Let me ask you, if your child is, is doing really well in school, really well in sports, does that make you feel... <sighs> if your kid fails and is lousy in sports, does it make you feel... <sighs> There's a good chance that you have tied your sense of identity and worth to the productivity or lack thereof in your kids. That's a bad place to put it. Why? Well, I hinted at this. Parenting is a miserable place to look for your identity. Think about it. You are parenting a lost, rebellious, foolishly blind, self-ruling sinner. He says, I'm not picking on your child. That's just the way uh, to describe every fallen human being who is born into this world. So it's important that we not tie our uh, sense of identity or meaning to our children. And lastly, he said this, it is a crushing burden to your child to have to get up every morning and carry the heavy load of your identity and all the expectations and demands that flow from it. No child can carry that load. That's an important facet to to think about. Um, We do that too easily. How our kids perform is somehow our performance. And if our kids don't perform well, then I'm a bad parent. And we wear that like that's why we're here. No. Our true identity is found in the person of Christ. So, job number one is to give a God consciousness and a redemption consciousness. We were Pharaoh's um, slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. I want to uh, share with you a little video clip. Um, Let me just get to this place. A little video clip that talks about the, the goal behind parenting. And the goal behind parenting is nothing less than just making disciples. That's our goal as parents in our kids' lives. I love the way David Platt puts it. Please listen. Right after that, I'll I'll get ready to close. But I love what he says here. Now, this is probably most important, particularly for children in our own homes or that we're regularly involved in ministry with and life with. So parents and others who are working with children, I encourage you to constantly emphasize the threads of the gospel. Parents in your home with your kids, others in sharing life and ministry with children all day long, every day, every chance, talk about the character of God, the sinfulness of man, the sufficiency of Christ, the necessity of faith, and the urgency of eternity. Now, sometimes people think, well, I want my children's faith to be their own, so I'm not going to pressure them. And as we talked about, there's truth to that. Our goal is not to manipulate anybody into faith, and particularly children into faith. And obviously, as a child grows older, they'll, become, they'll come more and more into their own. But as long as we're able, teach them the gospel. We teach our kids how to eat and drink, how to put on their clothes, how to make their bed, how to say yes, ma'am, and no, sir, how to play sports, how to play music, how to do all kinds of things. Certainly, teaching them the gospel is more important than all of those things put together. So prioritize more than anything, more than anything, prioritize speaking the gospel day in and day out to your children so that it becomes a part of the fabric of your home and their understanding of 
from the very beginning of their lives. Now, this can lead to challenges in a good way because children who are four or five or six or seven or eight or however many years old who are being saturated with the gospel will oftentimes begin to respond to the gospel, talk about becoming a Christian. And then one of the biggest questions that many Christian parents wonder about is, when do I know that my child is a Christian? How do I know exactly when they become a Christian? And obviously that's, that's a great question, but at the same time, this is where I want to encourage parents in particular not to fret too much over that question. So yes, we've discussed this. There comes a point in time when we place faith in Christ, a point in time where we're forgiven by God, adopted by God. But that point in time may not be quite as discernible in a child's life who's grown up immersed in the gospel as it might be in a 40-year-old man's life who hears the gospel for the first time. So you think about when, when a 40-year-old man, let's say he's got a, a history of drugs and drinking, whatever, and he hears the gospel for the first time and he responds to it, there's likely going to be a much more dramatic turning point than you would probably see in an 8-year-old who's grown up hearing the gospel all of his or her life. And that's okay. Wouldn't it be a good thing for one of our children to look back in their life and say, I can hardly ever remember a time when I wasn't turning from my sin to myself and trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So this is where I want to encourage you to continually encourage in children a posture of turning and trusting. Meaning, instead of fretting over when this point of faith is, which it may be discernible in a 7-year-old or 8-year-old or 12-year-old or whatever. It may be a discernible point. But instead of trying to make that point happen, instead encourage a posture, an attitude toward God of continually turning from sin and self and trusting in Jesus as Savior and Lord. So I can't put I like that. I like that a lot. Because the goal in our children's lives is not to have merely a point in time where I trusted Jesus and was baptized, but to have a posture of heart where I am turning from my sin and myself and trusting in Christ. That's called discipleship. It is the ongoing process where our lives are being transformed as we follow Jesus. So that is really, in, in the greatest way, the goal of parenting. Again, David Tripp said this, uh, Paul Tripp said this, if someone were to ask you uh, the ultimate job of parenting, what would you answer? Well, the answer is, your job is to do everything within your power as an instrument in the hands of the Redeemer who has employed you to woo encourage, call, and train your child to willingly and joyfully live as a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is more important than how they do at school or how positively they contribute to the reputation of the family or how well they set themselves up for a future career or how well they do in sports or the arts or even how well they are liked by adults and peers. You are working to be used of God to make disciples for Jesus Christ of your children. Amen? That's the goal, parents. That's the goal, Grammys. That's the goal, grandpas. That's the goal, aunts, uncles. That's what we want to see in children. A heart attitude, a posture where they are turning from sin and self and trusting in Jesus as they move their way along. You know what? Parenting is the toughest job you'll ever love. And it is tough. It is hard. Because we're working with little sinful creatures that have a will of their own. And no matter what you do, ultimately, that seems to come out. I want to offer you some opportunities that, that we here at Grace Church have to help you parents in this process. 
because it is a process and it does take time. You do need to be diligent, but we want to be here to partner with you to help you in this process. So one of the things I want to encourage you toward is something that will actually be starting uh, on Sunday, November the 6th. It's only a couple of three weeks away. On Sunday evening, November 6th, opposite the Awana hour from 5 to 7 p.m., we are offering something called the Gospel Project. This will help you to walk through the scriptures and understand the threads of the gospel, the truth of the character of God, the sinfulness of man, the sufficiency of Christ, the necessity of faith, and the urgency of eternity. This will help you to know what those look like, what that means, so that you can share it in the lives of your children or your grandchildren. In fact, there is actually children material available that you can use in the home based upon what you will have learned on Sunday evenings. You can use it the rest of the week for something called home devotions. So I want to give that to you. I want to make that as available as an opportunity to grow in your understanding of the gospel so that you can give that to your children or grandchildren. Two good reads I want to give you that will help you to understand how to communicate the gospel to your children. Uh, the first read is something called Give Them Grace. Give Them Grace. And uh, I want to encourage you to check that out on Amazon. The other one is actually by uh, Paul uh, David Tripp uh, that came out this week. It just came out this week. It's called Parenting, 14 Gospel Principles That Can Radically Change Your Family. Those, those tools will help you in this process of being godly parents, raising up the next generation to a God consciousness and a gospel consciousness as well. The last thing I want to say, and then I'm going to pray, is this. We are committed here at Grace Church to the next generation. This church has always been committed to children. We use the best resources we have and the best people in teaching in children's ministries. We started up Grace Christian Academy uh, 30 years ago now with the goal of raising up a godly generation. We have Awana with the goal of putting the Word of God into the hearts and minds of children. We have Sunday school. We have children's church with the goal of helping kids grow. Now, it's not our responsibility. It isn't. We're here to partner with you as parents because it is your responsibility. And so what I want to encourage you with is this. If, if the giving continues as it has been going more recently, if we end this year strong, we are committed next year to adding the next, the next hire in the life of the church over family ministries. Our goal is to continue to work at partnering with you to raise up the next generation to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how important this is. The old saying is, put your money where your mouth is. Well, we're going to put the money in that area to help raise the next generation. I am a parent. I have two children, and I praise God they walk with Jesus. But I just want to say to you, I have failed more than I have succeeded in that process. And I have discovered that God's grace is bigger than my failings. And I want to encourage you as a parent, you're going to fail over and over and over and over again. But be prayerful and have a heart toward God. And somehow, some way, he not only makes up for our failings, but he builds way above that and causes godliness to happen in the hearts of our kids. Let me pray for us. And this strange morning will be over. <laughs> Again, Father, we just want to say thank you for being God. 
the true power source. And Father, while we've talked about these things this morning, many of these things are very helpful. Many of these things will, will encourage children to investigate and understand better who Jesus is. But quite frankly, Father, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, no matter what we do, it won't matter. And so I pray right now in each family represented here that the work of the Holy Spirit would be discernible that you would give wisdom to the parents and grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, as to the best way to share you with their, their young people. Father, we need you more than we know. We give you praise now. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said, God bless you. God bless you.